The Drum Candy Podcast is brought to you by Drum Factory Direct. Hey everyone, welcome into episode 55 of the Drum Candy Podcast. This is your host, Mike Dawson, coming to you from Drum Factor Direct in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This week, I am handing over the interview duties to my good friend and neighbor, Thomas Went. If you've been listening to the show, Tom has been a guest on the show before where I interviewed him, and he's also been co-hosting the 10 Reasons to Love monthly series with myself and David Frockmorton. So now I'm going to have him interview some of his favorite drummers and let the conversation go wherever it wants. So let me hand it over to Tom Went. Hey there, drummer Thomas Went, and I am very, very happy to have a chance to sit down and talk today with my good friend, composer, drummer, educator, and band leader, Reggie Quinterly. He's originally from the Houston, Texas area, and has spent many years in New York before recently relocating to the West Coast for a brand new teaching gig. He's a fantastic player and a really complete artist in so many different ways. We're going to be talking about all of that and especially his journey with the drums. So let's get started. All right. Welcome to the Drum Candy Podcast. It is such a pleasure to be here today with my man, Dr. Reggie (laughs) Quinterly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for being here, taking the time out of your busy schedule. It's, uh, It's a pleasure to have a chance to talk with you, man. Sure. Thank you so much. I'm honored. Anything for the music, anything for... Uh, people that are serious about this and, and if there's anything that can um, that I can offer of the little bit that I know I am I am uh, always honored at the opportunity so thank you so much I appreciate it yes sir well you're 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 doing quite a bit for the music and that is that is greatly appreciated so I, I thought we could start uh, by kind of going all the way back for you, man. How, how you're you're originally from the Houston, Texas area, correct? Yeah, I'm originally from Houston, Texas, like right in the middle of it. Oh man! And so that that's where I'm. That's where I'm from. That's where my story starts. Um, you know, I somebody asked me this the other day. You know, they asked uh, me being a professional musician, were my were my were my folks musicians. And they both played instruments, but I, by the time I kind of like encountered them or, or when they, um, when I showed interest in music, they, they hadn't been playing for a while. But I always say that they were arts appreciators, which is just as important because I, I think, um, I believe that uh, the ability to appreciate something is just as important as dedicating your life to 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 kind of doing it you know what i mean absolutely. so um absolutely so they so they never discouraged me from playing music you know which is is different from a lot of people you know they they were just like well how can you do it better you know and, and private instructors and private lessons and drum camps and all of that kind of thing you know they were they were very much uh, supportive of my endeavors that's wonderful. Yeah, I was luckily in the same boat. My parents were both great appreciators of the arts and that, man, it, it wasn't until I got older that I realized just how lucky I was in that regard. Because as you yeah. said, so many people, it's an uphill battle from the beginning. So that's that's wonderful to hear, man. That's great. So from from Houston, you made your way up to New York to study at the new school, correct? Yeah, yeah. Well, to fill in a little bit before that. So, Please. you know, um, I was always interested in, in music and always interested in the drums came up, you know, just sitting by the drums at church. And it just so happened that the, the, the drummer there was also a jazz drummer. And so he had an interest in things 
you know, outside of outside of of, of just that particular genre. And his name was Lester Grant. I, I dedicated a piece to him on my second album. And, you know, in addition to Lester Grant, I also had a great um, mentor in the in the way of uh, a gentleman by the name of Sam Dinkins, who has taught drums in the in the Houston area for over 30 years. And it was and I and I say that and I must include that because those those gentlemen showed me that this is something that can be done professionally. And so that was the example that I had. So when I got to to New York, it wasn't a it wasn't a um it wasn't an issue of can this be done professionally? It's just like how am I gonna make it happen? And when I got to the new school, I was fortunate to 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 meet um, you know, great teachers, uh like people like Joe Chambers and people like Jimmy Cobb and and you know, Ralph Peterson was was around and and all of these people. But then, you know, they also had great uh, people who were leading ensembles like like uh, like Charles Tolliver and, and Billy Harper, mm-hmm. you know Hal Galper, you know all of these all of these great people. And and in addition to all of that, you know you you had great uh, students because I, I do know for a fact that you learn just as much, if not more, from from your your peers as the people who are teaching you. You know they were very very serious and very diligent. I'd gotten. Uh, exposed to that, you know, going to the performing arts high school in Houston, mm-hmm. but it was just a continuation of that. So, yeah. Wow, that that's fantastic. When you were when you were at the new school, who were who were the 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 drummer the drummers or drummer that you studied with primarily, or were there were there a few different different? Yeah, drummers? yeah. I got a. I started off. I believe my first semester, I was studying with Michael Carvin and. <laughs> um, and Lewis Nash. I had met Lewis Nash before I got to New York. So I knew that I wanted to, to, to study with him. And he was, but he was just so busy yeah. that uh, we, we, we couldn't really connect. And I, and I kind of joke with him now when I, when I see him, I say, you still owe me some lessons from like 20 years ago, <laughs> and, uh, a little over 20 years ago. But, but that was a, you know, that was a great experience. And then probably like maybe 2000, somewhere around there, I I knew that I wanted to study with uh, Mr. Kenny Washington, someone who we we very much have in common. So I, I went to the Jazz Standard. Uh, he was playing with. Um, I know Ron Carter was in the band, but he wasn't leading it. Hmm. Um, was it one of Don Sickler's events? It was exactly what that's what, exactly what it is. They were playing yeah. the music of of Hank Mobley. Yeah, and um, so I, I met him there, and that's when I asked him to you know if he would teach me he wasn't even teaching at the new school then because he had to get get added to the roster yeah and and that was you know uh, an amazing experience because he's just a, a wealth of information and you know you know mr washington has a way of letting you know what you need to be doing which is an amazing approach because a lot of times teachers they won't tell you what you need to know they'll just i, I don't know they, they have a way of guiding you or 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 maybe indirectly letting you know but like k watch would like say like this is what you need to work on you don't know how to play in two and you don't know what you don't know until you know what you don't know <laughs> then you can learn what you don't know you know exactly. what i'm saying no absolutely and he he has such a beautiful way of at least for me i'm sure it's probably similar for you 
the way he would talk to you, it, it, it's very inspiring. It makes you want to just run out yeah. and buy the records and go home and practice. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's very inspiring to be around all, all those guys that you just mentioned. Yeah. Um, one, one thing I was curious about, you know, I, I, I got to New York. I went to Manhattan School of Music briefly mm-hmm. in like 97. And I wanted to get your take on something. As far as drummers go and drumming goes in jazz music today, how do you see how do you see the 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 difference in the New York scene from when you got there to when you just left about a year or so ago? Yeah. So th- this is a part of a, a of a, a larger just kind of outlook I think this New York experience, though it's very unique um, in comparison to other places in the world, there's nowhere like New York, um, but it's very much uh, dependent on when you come into it and when you, how you experience it. Because mm-hmm. when I moved there in you know 1999, that was a, a different experience because I was in a different place. Mm-hmm. You know, I was living on Upper West Side. Um, you know, Keon Harold is a great trumpet player. He was he was like in the same building. We were we were um, at, at school at the same time. So we we moved. We didn't have much of anything, but mm-hmm. it was just like a, the city provided us a, a certain kind of electricity of, of just kind of um, being close to where things were happening. And you know, going down to the Vanguard, going to Smalls, going to all of these places, and seeing all of this music, and seeing Brian Blade. And, and Gregory Hutchinson and all of these these people. And over time, um, it's not to say that the city changed. I'm sure it did because it's always changing. But I changed. I was in a different part of my, my life, you know, and, uh, you know, starting a family and all of those kind of things. So I didn't hang out as much. Um, so, you know, New York was still had that 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 electricity but it was different for me mm-hmm. because i was in a different place in my life and then you know recently you, you talked about the move about a little over a year ago um we relocated out to the to the west coast and you know i i try another question that i get asked is uh if i miss new york and i try not to try i try not to think about it in that way you know, I just kind of think about I was there for what I was there for. I got everything that I was supposed to get. You know, I made the connections. I, I learned what uh, those those particular lessons that I that I was uh, meant to learn at that time. And now it, it's it's time to apply it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you, now it is time to apply it because you don't really get a chance or the opportunity to test what it is that, you know, until you're in a in a, in a situation that now, you know, how how are you going to um, how are you going to meet meet the challenge? And we would we do that wherever we are, but I, I just kind of want to you know put that out there because now I'm in a in a new setting that that's completely new to me, mm-hmm. and you know adapt is is the is the uh, is the way is the way of of where we are. Yeah, no, I I I I think you're I think you're right on the money with all that. There are so many different seasons to life, and I think you have to be willing to embrace those new seasons, whatever that uh, whatever that might be. Yeah, and hold on, I want to say this one one thing. Please, sorry to cut you off. No, no. So I, I say that to say, so New York. You know, if you ask someone else, New York meant something different to them. You know, there are people that moved in in '88 or that moved in '80 or that moved in you know 1958. I, mm-hmm. I have the, the the pleasure of of of, of uh, talking and 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 you know um, 
talking about drums and life with with, with Mr. Roy McCurdy, and he mm-hmm. tells me what it was like when he moved to New York. You know what I mean? So everybody's situation, and there's somebody that's probably moving there tomorrow that will have a different experience post COVID. And um, you know, it's all about embracing that and seeing wherever you know you are in, in that in that particular season. So yeah, no, I, that's 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 a wonderful point. Um, you know, it, as far as your your playing goes, your your time at uh, at the new school, and then you got your master's degree at Juilliard, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I'm curious when when you got to school. Uh, for your undergrad at the new school, what what were some of the things that, as a player, you were into as far as listening to and as far as practicing? And then, during your 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 time in school, how did both of those things change? Mm, the very good question. So when and this kind of goes back to to uh, Houston. When I was in Houston, you know, some of my classmates were were people like there though they were you know a year to two years older than me. Um, Kendrick Scott, mm-hmm. Walter Smith the third, Mike Moreno, um, uh, Robert Glasper. Uh, these were some of the people who I, I I knew in in Houston. And so when they moved to to New York, Chris Dave, Eric Harlan, they were you know a little bit older. Um, Jason Moran. Um, so. When I moved to to New York, and this is kind of the double-edged sword about being influenced by your peers, because you interact with them the most, you begin to, or or you are very much influenced by the things that they might listen to. And um, so when, when I'm when I kind of came into this music and, and was surrounded by people that were like-minded musicians, it was Branford, it was Kenny Garrett, it was, you know, Kenny Kirkland, it was Donald Harrison, it was, you know, anything that Jeff Tane Watts was on. And uh, anything, Bill, Bill, Billy Drummond and, and these crisscross records and, and, and all of this, anything that Louis Nash was on, Benny Green. And so those are the musicians that I was, um, was, you know, kind of tuned in into, and I'll say, and I'll say this, and this kind of brings it back to Kenny Washington, because that was the music, much of the music that my peers were influenced by. Um, there was so much that I was missing. There was so much that I did not know about. And I don't think, you know, young people can necessarily be faulted for things that they, that they just don't know about. You don't know until you know. Of course. And um, so, you know, the beginning of Miles for me was was working, steaming, relaxing, you know, 1955. <laughs> like that was like the beginning. So like, don't ask me about anything with Charlie Parker. I did not know about <laughs> it. Don't ask me about anything with Ben Webster. Don't ask me about Basie. Don't ask, you know, though, Duke Ellington. Those were names that we, it's like we revere them. We know it's just like even though we don't know, we mm-hmm. don't. And and um, I had to go back. And, and and try to fill in those gaps. I'm still filling in those gaps. And that's been over, you know, however long I've spent more time outside of Houston than I was there. Mm-hmm. But the but the the education process always continues. And then learning about Papa Joe and then learning about all of these musicians, you know, Kaiser Marshall, like all of all of these, all of these guys who I didn't necessarily know about. And I'm and I'm very grateful for people like, you know, Mr. Ken Washington. And the experience that I had at Juilliard, because they were a lot of the students there were into these records that I had never heard of. So I, I do think 
that it was uh, a balanced experience because sometimes when you're, you know, you're surrounded by people um, that are, are listening to a certain type that, you know, if you were to mention another name that they weren't necessarily into, then it's just like, well, why are you listening to that? You know what I mean? It's so, a lot of peer pressure. It's, in a, jazz. it's a lot of peer. It's a lot of peer pressure. But but even just outside of music conservatories, it's a lot of peer pressure in being, you know, a young person and 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 trying to find your way and and discovering you know, what it is that you value and sometimes not necessarily seeing the things that you value reflected in people, people, people your age. Like, so now what do you, what do you do? Do you, you know, do you not explore that? Do you just view this as, as being, um, what it is that you want to pursue and we all grow older and we all get, get more perspective. So I definitely don't want to paint anybody with, with just one brush, you know, but, I, I'm just kind of speaking personally from my experience, how to 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 make sense of you know all of these things. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a lot to take in. I think when you come to this music, you know, there's such an incredibly rich history, and I know from from talking to younger musicians, not just drummers, but younger musicians in general, a lot of them kind of you know they they they're a bit exasperated, you know, because there's. There's so much out there, and I think many of them know, like, okay, I have to, I have to know about this. I have to understand this. But it's, it's very, even though everything is accessible today because of the internet. When we were younger, that was different. But right. everything's accessible to these young folks. Sure. And even then, I, I think many of them are still so overwhelmed, you know, by by where do I start and how do I how do I begin to sort of put all these pieces together? Yeah. Um, so I, I I hear you. It's 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 a real challenge. As far as your playing goes, what are some of the what are some of the biggest lessons that you got as a player from your time, both in New York in general, but in in school in New York? What are some of the biggest lessons you got as a as a drummer? Uh, as a drummer, you know, I, I I think one of my biggest wow um, <laughs> listening listening is 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 can never be um, overstated you know, the importance of, of, of listening and really um, paying attention to what's going on on the bandstand, if you're on it, or if you, if you happen to be um, checking it out, observing that listening is probably one of the most important things uh, because you, you can't do, you can't do anything with it, it, depending on what you're listening to and what you're listening for and listening to how the drums and, and the bass you know, interact and how they, they hook up and how does that, how does that um, leave space for the piano player, you know, and, and understanding that, that listening is a, is about and listening and reacting is a, is a give and take, mm -hmm. you know, and in even also, even in that, there are a lot of different approaches, mm -hmm. you know, um, everything doesn't necessarily have to be in this interactive way that we, that we have been kind of conditioned to 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 respond. You know, I say something, then you say something. I say something, you say something. I mean, that's just one. That's one approach. You know, there's another approach to where you understand that the big picture is we're creating something together. And if this person is playing an idea, I don't necessarily have to jump out the window and 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 react to every little thing that they're doing. You know, sometimes it could be about creating a bed of sound. That 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 this person is then allowed to express themselves, you know, on 
in a way that, that that you're not um you know intrusive on on their ideas so i would say listening is probably one of the most important ones and coming back to 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 mr uh kenny washington understanding the finer points of the instrument understanding how to interact how how to uh, one of the things that he kind of pulled my coattail to and and listening to philly joe is uh is developing a vocabulary a comping vocabulary you know there's endless amounts of 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 um you know permutations and and and, and uh, there's just a whole world that can be created and, and even just comping on the snare and the, and the bass drum and the dynamics involved. It, you know what I mean? Like that's, Absolutely. that's where it is. And, and the ride symbol, especially for this music, Yeah, you know, there's, there are whole things that can, uh, approaches that can, um, that can, can, can be, um, that can bloom when you realize just the the level of possibilities just in that you know many times as drummers we think about our instrument and we realize at a very early age that we can overpower the band you know you can overpower the band but with 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 that power comes great responsibility i don't even know that sounds like some kind of um like a <laughs> But like you're right, Superman. though. You know what I mean? You're totally so then correct. We, we understand, like, okay, how do we then use this instrument to shape what's going on around us? How do we, how does this, how does this, how can we make this, this, um, this, uh, this solo, you know, that we're playing behind feel different from the other solo? You know exactly. what I mean? So, exactly. okay, do I change symbols or do I stay on the symbol? But, 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 how do I then approach it? Like these are the finer points of the instrument that that um, that I have, uh, you know. First of all, been made aware of. Now I'm still doing the homework to try to to try to bring that to life. Yeah, it, it's it's sort of a, no, a never ending quest in that regard, and I, I I agree with everything you said. I know one of the one of the early things that I I got from from being around Kenny was the whole notion of a sort of melodic style of comping, mm. you know, not, not necessarily just sort of throwing rhythms out, you know, to, to, to people, but, you know, sort of as, you know, a combination of support, but also conversation, you know, yeah. but, but, but not just sort of playing anything, but playing melodic phrases behind yeah. people. Yeah. Most and definitely. I, yeah. And it's, it's, it's such a, it's such a beautiful challenge in and of itself. You know, there's, I, I'm sure knowing your, your playing as I do from, from hearing you on record, I, I think it's safe to say there, there, there are many times for me where I don't even need to, or feel like soloing. There's so much, yeah. there's so much else that, 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 that we're doing for the music uh, that there's there's a lot of artistic challenges in uh, in just doing that, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you know, just to kind of shift gears for a second, another aspect of your of your artistry is that you're you're a very gifted composer, and mm. and I I wanted to ask you about that because there now today there are more drummers who are composers than ever before, mm. and uh, I I'm curious, you know, as a as a drummer, how how does your, or I should say, as a composer, how does your drumming affect your composition, and vice versa when you when you're writing music? Cool. First of all, let me say thank you for the compliment. The check is in the mail. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's coming your way. I wish uh, I could. I wish uh, I could. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, so, 
I'm I, I still consider myself very much in this this beginner's phase uh, as a composer, and I'm currently what I'm trying to express through composition. I'm still trying to write songs that 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 sound um, that don't sound like a drummer composed them. If that makes any sense, it totally because does. there's so many there's so many great there's so many great drummers. There are so many great composers that happen to play drums, and I think one of the um, one of the gifts to that of approaching composition from the drums or from that perspective is that we don't we don't think we're we're not bound by traditional um, traditional composition techniques. You know, the two fives these these chords don't resolve in the way that, that that piano players who have been drilled in in these kind of these these techniques you know these composition techniques and and how things resolve we're not we we're not we're, we're we're more influenced by the sound you know this is not i'm not speaking for every drummer because there are some great drummers who many of them started off as as piano players you know or had a, a great um melodic and harmonic sense you know our our, our blakey papa mm-hmm. joe jones philly joe jones you know all of these guys had had backgrounds in this you know the great victor lewis you know the, who mm-hmm. can sit down and play whatever it is that you know jack dejanet is another example then there's so many i know that i'm forgetting uh so many of them but um you know so in my approach i'm i'm still trying to find uh something that 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 sounds that sounds like me but uh but when other people hear it they don't their first thought isn't oh a drummer wrote this yeah you know so i'm i'm composing from that perspective and then i'm i'm thinking about myself last um and i and i'm still trying to feature the composition mm-hmm. or 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 feature the people that are playing and interacting with the composition you know how um you know, hopefully in a musical in a in a music in a musical way. So my approach as a drummer is just to be supportive. You know, I, I'm still not. I'm maybe gonna start working on some compositions that I would say might feature the drums a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But still, I'm 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 in this uh, in this mode of of just trying to write something that combines you know melodic influences and harmonic influences that i'm that i'm really kind of drawn to the music of of Horace silver you know the 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 music of the jazz tech which i'm i'm listening to now and it's always it's always when i listen back to some of my recordings previous recordings i can tell what i was listening to at that time you know there was a point <laughs> in time when i was really all into the montgomery brothers mm-hmm. and and my thing is, I put the music that I'm listening to up on a pedestal, and I'm trying to compose something to the stature of that. I, I don't feel like I'll ever hit it, but even when I don't hit it, I still have feel like I've created something that is informed by that, and it still, you know, has its own unique nature. You know, so Invictus, when I when I had that 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 instrumentation of 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 vibraphone piano. And and you know uh, uh, guitar, you know. So it's like now, how do you navigate? You got three chordal instruments, bass and drums. How how do you do that? And how do you find the right players who don't get in each other's way? And you know, I, I go back to to recording the you know the Montgomery Brothers with George Sharing. It's just mm-hmm. like 
textbook example, you know, or you listen to listen to the other recordings with, with the Montgomery brothers. And, and that's where I that's that's where I go. So it's a roundabout way of, of answering or hoping to answer your, your <laughs> question. Forks Drum Closet, Nashville's full line drum store. Celebrating its 40th year in business, Forks is independently owned and operated in the heart of Music City. Specializing in drums and percussion, Forks offers great discounts on all major brands and will beat any retailer's advertised price. From new and used equipment, vintage drums, and marching and orchestral instruments, Forks has something for every drummer. They also offer professional rental, repair, and restoration services, as well as drum lessons. Stop by their storefront at 308 Chestnut Street in Nashville, Tennessee, or call 615-383-8343, or go online at ForksDrumCloset.com. No, no, that was that that was wonderful. One of the one of the things I first felt when I listened to your recordings was, man, this this is a person who has a serious grounding in the history, but they also have a beautiful sort of foot in the present, you know, looking towards the future. And I, I love music like that that has real substance to it, but is mm. is is not trying to be something that that has already happened you know i yeah. think a lot of people get stuck in that even if they're trying to 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 pay homage and honor the music i think sometimes certain composers can get stuck in you know just trying to do a specific thing instead of yeah. you know the approach that uh, that you took so you know as just a follow up to that question um, because you are a drummer and you work with a lot of different other groups other than your own projects I'm curious, you know, if you're in a situation where you've been hired to play with another band leader's group to play their original music, um, how does your perspective as both a drummer and a composer, what does that let you bring to someone else's original music? Mm. I'm always thinking about things like form. I'm always thinking about um, just the overall, just the overall vibe of a of a piece and i know that that's probably not a musical term but it should be yeah. because you know there, there's so many um so many aspects that go in uh, go into a composition you know there's the the melodies there's the harmony um there is you know the dynamics if there are lyrics involved all of those kind of things but just then the overall then the overall vibe how do all of these things come together and I, I am very much of the belief that you should ask, you know, <laughs> because it, it seems like something that's very simple. But but there are a lot of times that the, the band leaders or, or people that are playing in, in situations just don't ask. Um, and I say this because sometimes as a composer, you can have a very specific way that you want a tune to be, you know, that that you that you were in the mind of when you were when you were writing this so you know i can give this insight to you and hopefully you have hired the right person who who will not take offense to your suggestion yep but um you know there on the flip side i mean i've worked with people who they kind of felt like you shouldn't ask questions because they're like well you know if you're asking questions, then that tells me that I've gotten the wrong, wrong person for it, the yeah, gig. Yeah, that's your job to know what it's to do. It's your job to know. Yeah. And um, I, I don't ascribe to that at all because, 
you know, if there's anything that you want me to know, if there's any approach that you want me to know, if there's any feeling, if there are any other vibes that you want me to to at least be aware of, is there another recording? You know, Miles Davis, Daryl Stockholm. I want that moodiness. Mm-hmm. You know, if a band leader was to tell that to me, I'm 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 interested. I, I'm, I know the recording or if not, lay the recording on me. And I start to then think in my my database you know your brain is like a database of all of these things what 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 can i bring to it um how can i how can i try to capture that you know i'm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking all right well philly joe I, i'm not thinking so much elvin jones i'm not thinking so much jeff watts i'm not thinking so much marcus gilmore i i say that going from from all of these drummers you know what i mean because it just doesn't it, it doesn't it, it's not a a, a time pers- specific thing i'm thinking about all of these drummers who i I listen to Mm -hmm. and all of these drummers who i appreciate and i'm and i'm and i'm then think how can i bring that vibe to to make this composition uh happen yeah yeah i totally agree one of one of the things i try to tell my my students is that you have to be prepared to deal with band leaders who will tell you absolutely nothing and band leaders who will tell you everything and then everything in between. And you have to come yeah. to the situation with, you know, that, that mindset of like, okay, if, if they want me to do this, I can do it. Or if they want to tell me exactly how to do it, I got to be cool with that too. You, know? you definitely that, have to be cool with that. Do not take it personal. Somebody's yeah. just like, because it's their music too, or their, their presentation. And they're just like, yes. you know, I was in a situation where a person was just like, Hey, I want this exactly. And I yep. was just like, okay, well, what do you, what do you mean? Is, I mean, I want this exactly. And I'm yep. like, okay, you know, <laughs> I, I defer to you. And, and that's, what I, that's what I will do. It, it's such a challenge when you're in that, that situation where you're, you're trying to appease someone and do exactly what they want when it's, when it, it's sometimes out of your wheelhouse. That's and true, you're, too. And you're, and you're trying to figure out how to make it work for everybody. It's a challenge, man. Absolutely. You know the other thing that that's 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 really great, and you you mentioned this just in uh, uh, just a couple minutes ago. I think as, as musicians, it, it's one especially playing this kind of music, being able to sort of capture in or I should say create and then capture a mood is so important. And I think a lot of younger musicians they're they're so worried, and this is this is very much true for drummers. They're so worried about playing something great. Or, you know, playing a great solo or coming off a certain way instead of, okay, what is it the essence of this piece of music that we're trying to play? And how do we create, you know, how do we create that mood? You know, I'm I'm looking at the great Hank Mobley behind you and thinking about all all the, the great records he made for Blue Note as an example. Those guys were so great at creating a vibe, like yeah. you said, and and that that's that's something that I think for for drummers we 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 have so much um, influence over over a band as far as that goes, and uh, it's I, I think that's one of the most enjoyable and also one of the most challenging parts uh, of being a drummer in in any kind of improvised music is being able to 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 create that vibe and that feeling. Yeah. Um, it's 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 such a challenge, man. Can, let me put something out here, and and it's about I, and this kind of goes back to everything that we've been talking about, and it goes back to to New York and also being um, influenced by your your peers. I think we should all take something from everybody, and that that includes you know even brief conversations. Hmm. And this this person who I'm about to to mention is just a little bit older, 
older than me, maybe two, three years at the most. Uh, but he said something that I never forgot. Uh, and, and his name is Rodney Green, mm. a great drummer who mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I highly respect. And I've always even, you know, I, I heard about him and heard him on recordings when he was a teenager. And, you know, and I, like I said, I was still uh, like a couple of years younger than him. But, but Green said something to me and I never forgot it. He said, uh, when you listen to some of these older recordings, they wouldn't, you know, from talking about the drummers, they weren't playing licks every eight bars or something like that. He was like, sometimes you would listen to these recordings and it might be one thing that might have stood out to you on the whole record. As far as a lick. Now, if you get a little bit deeper, you know that there's still and and really kind of do the put the put the headphones on or not even I, I, that's a metaphor for deep listening mm-hmm. but but just here there's so many other things that they were doing but as far as just like actual drum lick i'm gonna take that you know it, it might be few and far between because the drummer was realized the drummer was performing for the whole band and the whole setting you know so i mean philly joe could could probably play something I know that he can do something, all of these amazing things nonstop, but the fact that he, that he chooses to do what he does and then, you know, whether it's time to trade or, or something like that, or even just switching gears that he, he, he does this kind of hip little hip little thing, you know, now he has your attention. But I, I, I think that one of the pitfalls, and I will say that this is a pitfall of, musicians and specifically drummers because we're talking on this uh, on this drum um, podcast is that we can get so caught up into trying to let people know how bad we are how hip we are how we can how we have figured out this polyrhythm and and we we gotta we gotta do it i I gotta let you know yeah and um you know that's a that's that's not a headspace that i would recommend that we uh that we that we uh, get into, you know, no, just yeah. an idea. No, I, I I agree wholeheartedly. I know for myself personally, and I'd be interested to hear what 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 your opinion is on this. I know in the I would say in the last eight, maybe even ten years of my life, when I listen to some of these great recordings, whatever era they they might be from, one of the things I, I find myself doing more and more is not listening so much to what the drummer is playing as far as playing the drums, but I'm, I'm listening to and feeling the overall effect yeah. they have on the music and the group. And I, I, I've learned and, and gotten so much inspiration from that in the last few years. You know, just the overall effect that these different musicians have on the music is, is really, it, it can be overwhelming sometimes when you really kind of step back and listen from that perspective. Are there any drummers for you, it is, you know, thinking about that, are there any drummers for you in that regard that have made, you know, maybe the biggest impact on you? Who are some of your, who are some of your favorites in that regard? Um, so I know there's a lot. <laughs> I, I, I know. I mean, I know. And, and I'll say this. I mean, then this kind of goes back to listening being so important that you're always taking things from, from different, from different players. And, you know, there's a, there is a, a belief that, you know, you want to sound like yourself, but the reality of it is you couldn't sound like anybody else, even if you really wanted to, you know, 
Bird has been gone since 1955, I believe. Mm-hmm. So many people have been influenced by them, but there are very few, you know, if there's never been a time that I thought that it was that it was Bird and it was, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we all sound like our we all sound like ourselves. It, it's impossible to it, just like somebody else's physical voice. Of course. You know, you could you couldn't sound like even if I could read Frederick Douglass's words. But it, it's it's still his words. Absolutely. I can play somebody else's solo. It's their solo. I'm using that language. I'm using and developing. And there's certain things that that we all do. And this comes back to the individual, the individual piece of it. You know, I am my height. I set my drums up the way that I do. I find, you know, this is a comfortable tuning and a consistent tuning that I can that I can find on these drums. This mm-hmm. is the stick that works for my hand. And, yep. you know, a, a part to kind of double back into your, your question, I, I try to get as much from, from all of them. Yeah. And, you know, whoever I'm listening to at that particular time, yeah, that's what I'm trying to, that's what I'm trying to uh, try to, trying to soak up and to continue to build my database. And when it comes time for, you know, me to play, um, songs or whatever the case may be or if it's something that i'm leading now i'm i'm tapping into the music that i that i have absorbed over the years and you know now i can synthesize that however however i i I see fit you know yeah no i i i think that i think that's the way to do it i remember uh uh, Master Lewis Nash, I was talking with him years ago, and I remember him, you know, saying, never, ever be afraid of influences. Mm. Be, be, because of exactly what you just said, nobody, you know, I, I could try to sound like Max Roach for the rest of my life, and it's still going to be me <laughs> trying to sound like Max Roach. It's never going to be On Max's Max. drums, on Max's <laughs> cymbals, it's still, it's, it's, it's still only them. And I, and I also think that, that that very much speaks to their level, and, but, um, it also speaks very much to the importance of documentation mm-hmm. because one of the reasons why you hear Max and you you can within however long know that it's Max Roach is because they've recorded over and over again. Absolutely. You got Max Roach on this record. You got Max Roach on this record. You got Max Roach on that record. So then when you when you hear them and when you hear him, you're just like, OK, you know, as opposed to I mean, there's some people who are under recorded. It is what it is, yep. and and but but they you know so then it take it might take a little while for you to place them, but when you when you hear them, you're like, all right, cool, that that's yeah, uh, absolutely, you know, <laughs> candy, you know, that's candy. I hear it, you know, yes, what I'm indeed. Saying? Oh man, so, there's no yeah, there's nothing like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so to switch gears uh, one more time, you know, you 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 just mentioned uh, you know the various ways that uh, drummers can tune their drums and and, and, and and the like. And I'm wondering, over the course of your career so far, how has your taste in drums and cymbals changed? This is a drum podcast, so, mm-hmm. you know, how, you know, how, how, how is your tastes, how have they changed as far as how you tune your drums, your, your cymbals? Do you, do you play the same kind of sounding cymbals you used to play in your 20s, or has that all changed? How is that... Uh, shaken down for you you know it's it's funny that that you mentioned that because i I recently got another symbol and i feel like i tore up this whole like five mile radius of just (laughs) trying to find something that i that i liked i bought a symbol from the guitar center pay full price 
you know, and <laughs> took it to a gig, played it, and I was just like, played two gigs on. I was just like, no, this isn't it. Took it back, <laughs> traded traded that one for another one that was there. Played that, and I was just like, yo, this is not it either. And it, and it's just like I was kind of. It, it almost would have been better if I would have just stayed with what I had. But I, you know, I'm I'm interested in hearing different different sounds. Sure. And uh, so it has changed. You know, um, sometimes I, I don't know if it's it's for the better. Sometimes when you are of certain means, you're like, I'm gonna play this because this is what I got. Of course, absolutely. <laughs> and then you know, then you're like, okay, well, let me let me see this. And then you you know you you start you know finding these cymbal makers and drum things, and you're like, man, maybe I should you know check this out. This person had this uh, and that, and you know, uh, I remember I, I got the opportunity to go up to the to the Sabian factory. Mm-hmm. And I say this because it is all very much tied into this conversation and the last one. And, and you know, the, this is in a symbol factory, you know, where everything, whatever it is, they can make, they make all things all day. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. And and one of the, 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 the manufacturers um, said, you know, people come up here and they're always asking for a symbol like Tony Williams. And uh, but the reality of it is, like I said, you could find Tony's K or whatever. And he wasn't playing the same ones when he, you know, was in the nineties that he was in the sixties for whatever reason, but you can find that same symbol. And I guarantee you, it would not sound like Tony Williams. You would not sound like Tony Williams because it's all about, it's all about you. So, you know, I'm still, still, uh, you know, (laughs) experimenting with things, but, but so much of it is on the individual. So much of it is on your particular technique and, and, and all of those, those kind of things. So, you know, hopefully I am trying to refine my technique to to the point where it doesn't matter what I play. Sure. That I'm still going to be of a, a certain level, a certain level of consistency and always serving the music. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, it, you know, when it, com- when it comes time for, you know, for you to get into the practice room, some, what are some of the things that, uh, that you work on today? Today, I mean, for the past almost, uh, I think January will be, will be two years. So from, uh, from the moment that I, that I found out about um, uh, Master Ralph Peterson, his transition, I, I have rededicated myself to to the um, to the rudimental r- ritual, Alan oh, yeah. Dawson's, because he was all about that. And I took lessons with him. You know, I probably took three lessons with him back in, I don't know, 2000. And he was all about it. And I was just like, OK. And I just did not learn it then. Um, <laughs> and what's, what's crazy is I actually had the opportunity, you know, maybe a year or two before Alan Dawson passed away. I actually saw him do it, you know, wow. in person. Man. Um, so, you know, and I so I and I remember seeing that. And so I'm still on this particular journey of of that's pretty much I've I've you know, sorry Kenny, but I've kind of put Wilcox into the side <laughs> for, for for now. And I'm just really focused on that and 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 taking my time with it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not not trying to, you know. Uh, memorize it or go too fast too soon you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. I'm still I'm like on the the second to last um, uh, flam exercises yep. and there's there's only probably about eight more bars to go or 16 more bars to go but I still just I will still just kind of practice it to that point 
Yep. And then just and then just stop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, I I, um, I I got to know Ralph a little bit. I, I remember sitting in with him at a jam session once where he played trumpet, and it was mm-hmm. it was it was great. But mm-hmm. I, I never got to uh, I never got to take a lesson from him. But I've I've seen some videos of him teaching, and man, he was a he was an incredible teacher. Could you talk a little bit about some of the things that you left? Uh, you know, with from him as as an educator because you're you're a, a serious teacher yourself these days. So what I mean, did you we're get all, from that? We, we, and so are you. We're all teachers. We're all students. And yeah. to understand to understand um, Ralph Peterson's trajectory a trajectory or or to to have a handle on it, you know, it would be important to know a couple of factors. One. Uh, that his instructor was was uh, Mr. Michael Carvin, mm-hmm. and he he talked about him and you know Mr. Carvin always has this thing of each one teach one, and and um, so that was, you know so I had the opportunity of studying with with with, uh, with Ralph Peterson and and Michael Carvin, mm-hmm. and one of the things that that uh, that Ralph would always um, kind of uh, talk about. Is he he would talk about you know he would talk about the ride symbol and he would talk about you know the approach to to utilizing the rudiments you know he was very much he 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 had full command of the rudiments and and could use them and could pull them out in any in, any time mm-hmm. you know and he had developed a language and an understanding that he could could you know pull these off in musical situations because it's one thing to just have them at your disposal. It's another thing to be so in tune with them from the, from the, from the technique perspective that then you start to hear the music w- mm-hmm. within them, the alternating of hands and, and all of those kind of things and understanding the, the, you know, where the, where the, where the, where the accents are placed on you know on the insides of these things of these paradiddles and these double paradiddles and and understanding and understanding the mechanics of it because then when you do that and I'm and like I said and like we've always said you know this is a continual process then you hear the music in it then when mm. you hear Max you understand what he's doing mm-hmm. you know when you hear when you hear when you hear Philly when you hear Chick Webb you understand what what all of these musicians are, are doing and 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 that's that's what what uh what ralph was all about mm. and you know as you stated a little bit earlier uh he, he was a trumpet player you know that was a, a big component of it there's always been this connection between trumpet and and drums you know ralph has the unique distinction of of being able to do both mm-hmm. um so he 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 went when he played the drums, he looked at it from that perspective, that 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 musical perspective. Everything had an application aside from just you know the face value of it. So that those are just a couple of the things that 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 I remember from him. I mean, he was a he was a powerhouse. You know, he understood. He sure was. He understood. He understood the music. He understood how the drums relate to. Um, to all of the instruments. You know? Yes, yeah, that that definitely seems like a yeah, absolutely. I, I remember when I I played with him at that jam session. I was I was 
intimidated by him, I wanted to approach him afterwards, and I did go up and say hi, and I, he turned around and he said, you sound good, man, sound good, and that, that, was, about, <laughs> that was about it. I said, okay, I'm not going to bug him anymore, but you know, I've, I've, I've always been curious because after I saw a couple of videos of him teaching, I thought, man, I really wish I would have had the opportunity, and I felt a lot of regret, but... Uh, yeah, he was able to, and you know, when you listen to these things on recordings uh, of, of the albums that he's done, or even whatever YouTube clips that you can find, he has a way, he has a very unique way because of his mastery of the rudiments he has a way of being able to play in the creases and get these these hmm. poly rhythms and, and things like that you know it's the, the the height of sophistication as it relates to syncopation mm-hmm. you know and, mm-hmm. and and puts you know when you because in the, the the sense of the word is to put the stress on unexpected parts of the beat i yeah. mean that that's 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 ralph walking down the street he was <laughs> able to he was able to do that because he understood he understood the the the, the larger framework of the uh, composition and structure. Yeah, yeah, he was he was such a complete musician, man. It's really it's something. Man, you know, so you know, to kind of begin wrapping up, you you as I've mentioned, man, you're you're not only a drummer and a composer and band leader, but you're also a serious teacher, man. Can you mm. talk a little bit about some of your teaching endeavors that are that are happening now cuz you have a new teaching gig? Well, I yeah, so let, <laughs> let's let's talk about it, you know. <clears throat> I have to say this. I started with this. I, I never saw myself. I never saw myself being a teacher. I never thought <laughs> about about pursuing that aspect. And this is after after schools and and all of those kind of things. This is even after taking the 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 exam, the certification things. I never thought that I would do it. I remember telling my my grandmother, you know, I, I would never teach, and she was an educator. And I was just like, well, if I was going to teach, I could have just stayed in Houston and taught. And this was, you know, this is youth, clearly <laughs> speaking, in the in the in the face of, of of true wisdom. But things have a way of finding finding uh, finding you and and putting you where you need to be. So. Hmm. Um, I have taught grade school. I've taught third through eighth general music. Wow. I have taught. Um, I've taught on the college level. I've taught music history on the college level. I, I've never actually taught the drums, you know, on the on the college level or even in like a, a private studio or, or anything like that. Um, mm. You know, I've been fortunate to uh, to get into these positions and or these these situations. Um, where I'm, I'm, I'm bringing so much of my knowledge of the history and, you know, trying to learn all of these things. That's kind of been the thing that I've, I've been um, presenting. So I've, I've taught at the college level. I've taught at, uh, at Juilliard in what they call the extension division, which is, is really hip because it's, it's a, something for lifelong learners mm. that's non, you know, matriculate. It's not for a degree or anything like that. There are people, many of them are retirees. Who just want to learn about you know Vivaldi or or I don't know Alexander Technique and all of these things, and they uh, Juilliard was hip enough to uh, include some some jazz uh, you know programs and 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 focal points and I and I've taught that and for this past semester it was only for one semester. Uh, but I was, but it felt like a very long, very, it was, it was intense. It was intense in the best way possible. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, this past semester, I taught two music history classes uh, at USC. 
Mm. Um, one of them was the music of Black Americans, and which goes back and predates even you know sixteen nineteen, mm. and talks about all of these. And it's not even just jazz centered. Um, and then there was another one that that discussed from hip hop to no from 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 bebop to doo wop to hip hop. That was the that was mm-hmm. the class, and it was more picking up the picking up the ball in history. Um, around the bebop time period and and going to uh, going forward to, to to hip-hop but various forms of black music you know man that's that's fantastic and I have to say that that was one of the first things that made me interested in you because I thought mm. like man here's here's this guy who's about my age he's a great player but man he really knows the history and that's that's kind of what really uh, you know inter- in- interested me uh, in you initially, man. So, man, thank, thank you, you for 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 all that you do on the uh, on the playing and well, the, hold on. The I, but I have to say this, and I have to say this, and I bring it back to these 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 people, you know, because they they're the ones that I think should receive so much of the credit, and and they're people that we know, you know. In addition to Kenny Washington, of course, we we definitely have to shout out. Um, um, Phil Schapp, you know, yes, the, one of the one of the best who ever do it because mm-hmm. they they showed me different different sides of this. You know, uh, Kenny Washington was a was a great player or is a great player and someone who knows about the history, someone who presents the history and with the music for his radio broadcasts. And you know, when I met him, that's what he was he was also doing too. And, and Phil Schapp represents another side of the coin. You know, who has he, he dedicated so much of his life to documenting you know in his in his radio broadcasts and and stuff like that the the finer points of of this music so one thing that i took away from both of them is if this is something that you're going to do if music is something that you're going to be interested in it would behoove you to be as serious as possible (laughs) about it now if this is not something that you're going to do seriously which you know this thing is not meant for it can be appreciated by everyone but but you know there are some people who are just not going to derive the same enjoyment on uh you know reading and, and spending their free time learning about these things and there's nothing wrong with that Absolutely. but if this is what you're going to do and if yeah. this is what you're going to dedicate so much of your headspace to you would be the better player and the better person for for learning as much as possible Absolutely yeah that that's that's I'm I'm fortunate to say that 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 was a message I got relatively early too, and I'm very I'm very grateful for that because it's as you well know, man. It is, it's just such a beautiful ongoing process, the learning process, both as drummers and as people who just love the music. Man, there is always a new neighborhood to to explore. There's Absolutely. always there's always stuff to. Uh, you know, to get together, man. So I, you know, once again, man, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're busy, man, but it was such a pleasure to talk to you and, and learn more about your journey and the music with the drums, man, you know, thank you for the continued inspiration, man. It's uh what can I say, man? Onward and upward in the words onward of the great Billy word. <laughs> so I, I, I have to say this, uh, and I, and I mean this in the sincerest tone possible. It is my honor um to know you and it is my honor to be invited to to have the opportunity to present um please consider me a resource and this goes for you know anybody who might be watching this um please consider me a resource that can be you know called upon conjured at any point in time on whatever notice to to try to share um the experiences the knowledge the information 
um, that that has been so generously shared with those that have come before me. So I always have to. I would, you know, it would not be, uh, it would not be right if I if I left here um, with anything other than the the spirit of gratitude for the opportunity. Yes, sir. Well, it's it's totally our honor. And in you know, before we uh, we sign off, what's what's the best way for folks to get in touch with you? Is it is My, it your website? Yeah, the website the website is is always up reggiecornerly Beautiful. You know, that that is always the best way and, you know, stay abreast of anything that I might have coming up or, or going on. So, yeah. Beautiful, man. Well, we, we, we will definitely have you back on the podcast and uh, looking forward to seeing what uh, what great stuff you're going to do coming up, man. So once again, the great Mr. Reggie Queenerly. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. That is it for this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Tom and Reggie. If you do like the show, please head over to iTunes or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Drop in a review if you don't mind. That does help this show rank higher so more drummers around the world can discover it and join the party. We'll see you next week. Peace.